Hi everyone, thank you for listening to my podcast. My name is Glenn Cruz. As my friends would call me, I'm the coaches of all coaches. I have been coaching sports for over 20 years and now I apply my coaching skills into the business world, especially in my role as a manager at UC Berkeley. This is a podcast about helping the new manager understand about microaggression. I have a special guest from the state of Illinois, Clifton Moore. He is the CISO for the city of Aurora. We will first get to know Cliff, and then we'll get into helping the managers understand microaggression. This is not scripted. It is just two humans getting to know each other and our experience with microaggressions. Without further ado, let's dive right into the podcast. Enjoy, everybody. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thank you uh, for listening to this podcast. Uh, Everyone saw it on my LinkedIn that I will be doing a podcast about uh, microaggression, and here it is. Uh, I'm glad for everyone to like it and was waiting for it. A little bit of a surprise. Uh, as you know, you see on my screen or you will hear on podcast, I actually brought a guest with me uh, to talk about microaggression, and his name is Clifton Moore. Uh, actually, his name, you know, nicknamed Cliff. Is that okay, Cliff? Oh, that's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cliff is... Uh, from actually from Illinois and you know I'm here from the state of California and I met Cliff at uh, a GBI impact uh, event at the Ritz-Carlton in Half Moon Bay and the reason why I chose Cliff to talk about microaggression is because when I met him I only met him for like an hour over at, at Half Moon Bay and I had a great conversation with him. And for this podcast, I didn't want any influence at all by me or by anyone outside or anyone I knew that surrounded me. I wanted someone that's from the outside and I brought Cliff in here and that's why I did it. And the history of me doing this podcast about microaggression was brought to one of my colleagues from work that I was telling her that I wanted to do a, a podcast about office culture and how to create it for new managers. And she said, you should really do one on microaggression. And that really, really opened my eyes. And she gave me a story about microaggression of like a African-American family trying to get a home loan and wasn't approved because of their race. And that was like, whoa. And that's that that was, you know, we think racism was gone. You know, we can only minimize it. We can't erase it. And if long as there's hate in the world, we're going to have everything that we hate about. And for uh, for me and for Cliff, I wanted Cliff to be in here because he is, you know, he he is a high level management person. I mean, he's C level, man. He's he's the cream of the crop as we <laughs> say, but, but you know what? He's a humble guy for me, for my conversation with him. And from, from my experience with just having a conversation with him, he's, he, he sounds like he's, you know, could get his hands dirty and is not afraid to get his hands dirty, just like me, not afraid to get our hands dirty at all. And this podcast is really about helping the new manager understand about microaggression and how to handle it or even, even recognizing themselves they're doing it. 
And that's the two key things we want to take away from this podcast is understanding it and recognizing it, not only for, you know, in your office, the person, person who's doing it or yourself doing it. So I want to introduce you to Cliff. Cliff's a great guy. So hi, Cliff. Hey, Glenn. I appreciate you inviting me onto the, the podcast podcast here. I, you know, it's a great opportunity. Really enjoyed talking with you. So I look forward yeah. to it. I see in your LinkedIn, you're mm-hmm. you're like a man with many skills. I'm not gonna say I'm uh I'm not gonna say the jack of all trades because uh mm-hmm. what is that saying about the jack of all trades? The jack right. of all trades is the master of none. It, right. Absolutely. But you're a master of everything. So I can't you can't say master of none. All right. So tell me a little about yourself. I see you have great experience everywhere, especially in Illinois. Tell me a little about your background. Yeah, go for it, buddy. So I like to say that I, I contain multitudes. That's, that's a good way to, All right. uh, the way I like to, to, to put it. Um, I started my IT career back in, 20, or in 2007, in fact, uh, as a help desk engineer. I started out in the defense sector. So I uh, worked for the Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, uh, doing basic IT and then got into cybersecurity there. Um, But then in the defense space, contracts can change hands, you know, year to year, sometimes without much notice. So after um, a contract changing hand and losing my position uh, as a help desk engineer and and cybersecurity support, I bounced around. I set up um, laboratory spaces for simulation software for the Missile Defense Agency, for the Air Force. Uh, Got back into cybersecurity uh, under missile defense. I worked uh, in the intelligence community some up until about three years ago. Um, All of this uh, down in Huntsville, Alabama with Redstone Arsenal uh, before moving back to where I'm originally from, the greater Chicagoland area uh, to do cybersecurity for uh, Cook County and the city of Aurora in Illinois, which is the second largest city in the state and been working with the city of Aurora for roughly three years now, and most recently got appointed as the uh, chief information security officer for the city. Oh, congratulations. Absolutely. Yeah, so cybersecurity for missile defense? So a lot of our cybersecurity principles come out of like the Cold War era, you know, spy versus spy type of stuff, and it just slowly graduated into what we know as security now. So a lot of the um, the foundational principles of cybersecurity come out of that space, you know, and uh, we get everything on high from like the National Institute of uh, Standards and Technology, NIST, yeah. all those publications. Well, that stuff is baked into the operations for missile defense for, you know, every point in the Pentagon and most of your federal agencies as well. So that's where I really cut my teeth on both the technical and the programmatic side of it. And then when I decided to strike out on my own and try and work in the uh, municipal space, the municipal sector, I was like, oh, there is no foundation for anything in here. It's wild west. Oh, wow. Yeah. But can, 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 can you guarantee the public that's listening to us right now that since you're dealing with cybersecurity for our missiles, mm-hmm. This guarantee that no one's going to hack it? Well, okay. <laughs> so my background, my educational background is in physics, right? And I don't okay. like to deal in absolutes. I like to deal in probabilities. Okay. So 
So we do have a low probability of people. Low from probability. It's All right. Because we don't want uh, accidental missile launch because some 13-year-old or some teenage kid decides to hack our into our missile system and start launching missiles. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. As you know, in IT, the, the greatest threat as well as the greatest asset is the human element in between, right? Yeah. So there's no guarantee that someone won't have a rough night, is going through something at home, or is just generally inattentive and may introduce some type of risk or vulnerability into you know, something there. But that's why we have processes and, and policies and the whole apparatus in place to try to mitigate that as much as possible. But once again, not it's not zero. It's just as close as we can get it to zero. So do you wow your your career path is so mind-blowing it it's amazed me right and if if people are not um not seeing us right now you know i'm i'm filipino right and and cliff he's african-american and just listening to him you know that's one of the greatest success story i you know success stories I see from, you know, an African-American. And some people say African-Americans don't make it in the world. Here's a great example. And Cliff's right here in front of me. So everyone can make it here in the United States. It doesn't matter the race at all. If you put your heart into it and put, you know, get your hands dirty, you, you will get to Cliff's position. You will get to my position. It is just, we had to put in our hard work to get to where we at. So my next question to you, Cliff, if, um, how'd you, you know, we're both in IT and this is a great topic because microaggression does happen a lot in the IT departments. Mm -hmm. And, and I just want to know your journey first of how'd you get, and people are wondering, it's like, wow, how did Cliff get to being at, at sea level? Right. Mm -hmm. So tell, tell us your journey. Oh, of course. Of course. So I always, because I've, I've uh, spoken in front of classes, I've done some mentorship, and I always told or tell the story that I started this with just my high school diploma, right? This was in the early stages of IT back in the early 2000s, or IT as we currently know it, where certain programs you could get in with a high school diploma, you know, with some technical acumen, if you pass kind of a, an exam, you know, um, an actual um, workplace exam, not one of the certification exams. Yeah. And then the military has a caveat and several other federal agencies that at certain levels, you have three to six months to get additional certifications to fully qualify for the position, you know, but you can start work with that, you know, passing the, the basic examinations. And, and then with the promise that you're going to get those certifications within the deadline time. So yeah. I started with just my high school diploma. Um, I'd been going to college for, uh, that was 2007. So I'd been going to college for five years at that point. You know, I always tell people that I love college. I love education, but I'm terrible at school. <laughs> um, you know, even though, you know, I started out, I had top tier ACT, SAT scores when we were doing all the, you know, the, um, the uh, standardized testing yeah. years ago when, you know, I won't, I won't date our ages, but back when we were going through school, you know, <laughs> we still had number two pencils back then. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I was able to get a technical, a pair of technical certifications, base level Microsoft certification and the security plus certification 
during that time frame when people were just still working with high school diplomas and I know computers, right? Yeah. I continue to leverage that, like, okay, I have these technical certifications in a space where this is very valuable, even though I don't have even a, an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree. And it's like, okay, well, I know what I'm doing. And I'm one of those people where, you know, if you ask me if I know something, if I know even something tangentially related, I'm like, I, I know about it and then I'll figure out the rest. Yeah. Especially when it comes to technology. Yeah. Like, okay, you give that to me, I'll figure it out. You know, I'll, you know, piece it together to at bare minimum be workable, but from there on to gain some degree of mastery. And then from there, it just continued on with, uh, okay, I know how to do that. I'll figure it out. Let's keep moving. Okay, nobody else wants to volunteer for this new program. I'll volunteer and we'll figure it out. So I helped to spearhead the first vulnerability management program for the Army Corps of Engineers. Oh, wow. So did that, had that on the resume, got spun into a bunch of other things like, okay, well, I know some basic programming. All right, well, now you're programming missile software. Like, okay, I'll figure that out. And then just continue to progress from there until I got some of my upper level uh, security certifications like the CISSP. And that opened up doors. I, I tell my mentees or men, the, the kids and older folks that I mentor, um, I saw a $40,000 a year increase with just that one certification. Oh, wow. And I went from- I'll drive someone to like, what's, what, what can I, what certification can I get next? <laughs> yes. How, how do you do that? Where does that right. come from? You know, and my certifications over and above actually attaining degrees helped in this particular space because they're the, um, the structure in the industry hadn't fully calcified. Okay. And kind of the, the, the networks that we know are in every under, other industry, kind of the good old boy networks as we call them. Yeah. Uh, having fully firmed up. So it's like, oh, if you could get that, that must mean you know what you're doing. It opens doors. There. Yeah. Sometimes, not all the time, but at least not you have the certification to get that baseline going, right? It'll yeah. it help get you into conversations, right? Yeah. yeah. And from there, um, you, you were talking about earlier success stories. The hard work gives you a chance. You know, I won't. I won't downplay the amount of luck that I feel has played into it. I've had to have some things fall at just the right moments, but I wouldn't have been in the right place at the right time without the hard work to get to that portion, yeah. so the long nights, the weekends. And it was just constantly searching and being able to identify my worth and saying like, oh yeah, I can actually do that type of work at this level or I have these ideas and I'm not afraid to express them to people about where, not only where cybersecurity currently is and what people, organizations, municipalities need to do now, but where they can be. Yeah. You know, that's how I've gotten connected with the city of Aurora, which uh, is the largest public-private partnership for a smart city initiative in the United States. Um, we are a city-scale sandbox uh, for um, data analysts, for yeah, you're telling me that. Yeah. You're a huge sandbox. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of things coming this year and the next couple of years beyond with that. And the CIO, Mike Pegues, who's now my boss, was looking for someone who not only has that foundational knowledge for security, but 
you know, the mindset, well, how does this apply to technologies that aren't fully realized yet? You know, yeah. where do we go? What are our pivot points? You know, and all of that is observational and just going through, you talked about that sort of varied background, being at so many different levels and different technologies and having that exposure, you know, I could see across different li lines and avenues where someone who was purely almost, you know, I won't say from birth, but they knew what they were going to get into because, you know, their parents had done it or they had yeah. always had access to it. Yeah. You know, they get stuck in that one vein because they've had that conditioning for, you know, years and years and years for most of their life. And they don't have the uh, mental agility or that lateral ability to, you know, be able to pivot one idea across multiple vectors, multiple industries. That's what yeah. I so it really, it's been, like I said, the hard work, the luck, but being unafraid to say, well, I don't know, but I will find out. You know, and that's a lot of bumps along the way, of course, but. <laughs> and I think that goes well with IT, right? Like a lot of the stuff are still unknown, but we'll figure it out and we'll get on that right track, right? right. And and if we put some great minds like your mind or anyone else's mind, who's got at least a baseline of having that experience, well, this kind of relates to A, but since we're working on C, it does relate to A in some sort of fashion, right? Right. right? Did you ever want to be in IT when you when you were little? No, no, not at all. So I'm a huge nerd, and one of my first nerdy loves uh, was Star Trek. Right? Oh, so there, there's your IT career right there. Is that's all about future technology? So I'm a huge Trekkie. <laughs> yep. You know, and I grew up wanting to be Jordy uh, LaForge from, from the Next Generation. You know? Okay. Lavar Burton. Yeah. And wanting to. Um, build spaceships pretty much that's when i first went off to the air force academy i went on the well to say i went to the air force academy fresh out of high school but i went a in the pilot track but my degree field was astronautical engineering because i wanted to be a spaceship engineer designer you want to be the first one to fly a spaceship that's what you want to do didn't you <laughs> well, i wanted to i wanted to make them i didn't want to fly uh, well build and make that would have been awesome <laughs> let me do that yeah i wouldn't turn it down right <laughs> all right and you know i pivoted from there as i started getting into engineering and i was like i like the science more so my actual uh bachelor's degree background is in physics theoretical physics and mathematics yeah. and i love the math but like i said i'm a terrible student at it so i had to really sit down and digest it in ways that you know would help me get through what i needed to even yeah. though you know psychologically i was like this isn't interesting yeah the way it's being taught isn't interesting yes. the actual material is but the way it's being presented can't do yeah. anything with it but all that to say that when i was going through school i needed to make money and i said okay it is a technology thing you say that you study theoretical physics and people automatically like oh this is the smartest guy i've ever met even though that's not the case i'm an <laughs> idiot I tell people all the time. <laughs> You're like, I just wanted, I just wanted to get through it. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to get through it, and I need money on the side. And there was that one point where I was working for the Army Corps of Engineers. I was going to school full time for physics, and because I'm a nerd, I uh, created my own comic book store. Oh, nice! And I was running them all together, and wouldn't advise it. I would advise 
you know, kids, if you're listening out there and grown folks, try to finish one thing before moving <laughs> on. You know, don't take the, uh, was it the Da Vinci approach? Was it Da Vinci where it's like, uh, I'll start a project and then I'll start another one and run them all in parallel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And whichever one gets, you know, the furthest, then I'll That's finish the one. that one. Yep. <laughs> I'll circle back, you know. Yeah. So that IT wasn't on my radar. But then as I started going through school and doing the work at the same time, I said, oh, well, I can pay for all the stuff that I really like to do in my free time with this. And then I can just continue to study at my leisure. So it's not as critical that I have to get it now so that I go into, you know, I got to get into the industry and into science and, and academia, you know, and as well as you know, and, and part of this podcast, there's all sorts of hurdles and barriers to breaking into uh, academia, particularly in the sciences. And, you know, I won't hesitate to admit that that really discouraged me to the point where, you know, I, I hit a, a crossroads. I'm like, okay, well, you know, what else should I do? I had pivoted at one point to sports journalism because I was like, okay, I, I, I've encountered so many hurdles. I don't want to have anything to do with it at all anymore before I had to come back to myself and, and continue on down the, the track. But getting into IT and cybersecurity kind of was a good middle of the road. You know, I can make what I need to, to be able to afford to live, but while also, you know, kind of scratching that technical and that scientific itch, you know, because yeah. it's a very, you, you well know, you know, people say IT, but the field is massive. Yes. And it touches every aspect of human existence. Yes. So when you say you're in IT, the people that know will say, okay, well, what part, what is it that you do? And the, the layman or general public, when you say you're in IT, they're like, oh, well, can you help me with my phone? Or can you yeah. help me put, you know. No, I get that. Uh, especially especially uh, uncles or parents. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, my family is, I love them to death, but they're the worst with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In the IT department for the Moore clan. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Like, you wanted to build spaceships. And I think we're getting getting close. But, uh, but yeah, that's amazing. So let's talk about your, if you have any good um, experiences, it's not stories, more experience for both of us, actually. Right. Um, during your time, say in the military or your career path, um, has any of that somewhere in there where there's some sort of microaggression that prevented you from even moving up to a level and people not even thinking about that or even because um, we're trying to help these managers like realize like oh I didn't realize I was doing this right and did you have experience during your journey uh, going up to your career where you are today experience some microaggression well absolutely you know and unfortunately, you know, you were saying any good experience, not good per se, but I've got, sorry, you know, no, 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 it's okay. It's, yeah. I've got, you know, multiple examples to, to draw from. And it's unfortunate that it's multiple, but it is there, you know, it's, it's unconscious and realizing it from one avenue helps to navigate through it, you know, from one side, you can help to navigate the other side through it, you know, to get to that realization where, 
they can recognize it in themselves. So uh, one of the, the first experiences or top experiences I would say that would come to mind is that I was talking about um, spearheading a vulnerability management program for uh, the Army Corps of Engineers. So uh, you work in, when you work in the DOD intelligence community or anything that deals with classified information, uh, you can walk into different spaces and laboratories that have all types of privacy screens, protectors, things for operational security, physical security, so that um, when you have cleaning staff, other folks that come in there that don't have clearance but have a need to be in the space, you can obscure long enough until you know whatever they're there for is done, and then they you go back to business as usual. Well. I have worked in spaces for most of my career where I might be the only person that looks like me in the room, oh. in several rooms, you know, and okay. going to talk to executive leadership. And I had to learn early on to be there first or early when it came to meetings, especially across, you know, groups and, and organizations, because early on, if I would come in a couple steps afterwards, I would be mistaken for the janitorial staff or mm -hmm. people that, you know, were there that didn't have clearance. So, you know, I would notice that I would walk into a room and with people who didn't immediately know who I was or may know me by name, but hadn't seen me before, they're immediately locking screens and changing things in there like, oh, here's an uncleared person that's here. And then everyone's looking at me and waiting like, okay, are you going to basically empty the trash baskets or are you going to do your business before leaving so that we can go back to the conversation, you know? And before I was very self-conscious about it, but then I had to learn to basically, you know, go to the, the podium or the head of the table or wherever I'm going to be seated and start plugging in. And then there's that moment of uh, secondary embarrassment that or sheepishness where people are like, oh, oh my God, okay, they're, you know, if they had the sense to be mortified at, what happened and realize what happened and then it's like okay we'll move on from there you know yeah so basically you just describe what a lot of people with you know just looking by the book of its cover the cover of it cover the book whatever it's called these days it's called labeling they would label you first before like they take a quick glance oh that's that person's the the custodian mm -hmm. right and in reality no, I'm, I'm, I'm part of this group. And that's, that's a true microaggression right there where people automatically label without even thinking first, like asking a question, right? If I, if I saw you in there, I was like, Hey, can I help you? You know? And if, if it was your first time there, I'd be like, Hey, how can I help you today? And then you're like, Oh, you know, I'm Cliff. I'm the, I'm, uh, uh, the, scientist number five and right. i'll be like hey welcome aboard we've been waiting for you right exactly. and instead of going oh hey you know oh you're here i don't know you my trash is right there it's like right and it's like all the time for like me being filipino like being the asian community it's like oh you're good at math right that whole stereotypical thing i'm like no i'm horrible at math i have to i have to look at youtube videos to teach my kids how to do math Right. right. And it's kind of like, it's, like, it's kind of like you get that label automatically. Mm -hmm. Right. So our first lesson for managers, for new managers is don't label. Right. 
right? Don't assume that person that comes in a room is someone who's doing lower level work than you. That's, that's that. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, honestly, you could be Asian, Caucasian, uh, African-American, Indian. It doesn't really matter. Everyone's got a label. Doesn't matter what race, because microaggression comes in all, like I said, it comes in all forms and size. So it doesn't matter what race or gender you are. Every race will do it. Like if you go to another country, like obviously you'll feel that too. Because, you know, if I if I go to France, they're like, there's an Asian guy here. He might be, he he might be my cleaning guy. Like, no, I'm here as a tourist shopping, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and that's another form of microaggression, right? Um, but here in the United States, we're such a melting pot right. of all kinds of race. And like we everyone came here because they wanted, you know, a better life. And mm-hmm. here we are with microaggressions of like giving you this better life. And there's ways we need to work around that. And so for us, I'm glad we're having this conversation to help these new managers uh, uh, understand microaggression. So labeling's one, right? And so as a, as a C-level person for you and for me as being a manager in the IT world and both in the public sector, so my question to you is then how do we, how do we address these issues of microaggression, right? You, you know, how do you talk to your direct reports mm-hmm. about this? Because if, you know, honestly, I want to say Illinois, where you're from, uh, the... I mean, like the city, they're all about diversity. Like everyone's got to, right? Same thing here, right? And that's one thing I, you know, I always tell myself, well, if I'm going to live in an area, I want to live near an area where there's a college town or there's more diversity than anything else, right? Because I will feel less of the impact of microaggressions and, you know, that everything that falls under that, right? So for us, and I want to, you know, ask you, like I asked ask you this question now, is like, how, how do you address it in, in, uh, at a level at your at? Right. So what I always try to, to preach and to get across to folks is, you know, mindfulness is, is very buzzwordy. We have mindfulness in, you know, it's, it's suggested, in, suggested in executive coaching and leadership courses and all of the different compliance courses that we get taught, but people don't actually think about it, like what it actually means, you know, to be mindful. So what I, I always try to preach is um, mindfulness with being thoughtful at the same time. Don't just be aware, but process and think through that. Um, because uh, microaggressions are steeped in unconscious bias, right? Yes, exactly. You're, you're, a lot of times when people make those micro microaggressions, they're not thinking about it. They just have this internal rubric, you know, this, this brain heuristic that tells them, okay, here's our input. Here's my output. You know, it helps you to sort through your day. And as we, the world gains in complexity, and we should never shy away from complexity, we have to adapt and evolve along with it. And taking that extra half a second to a handful of seconds to be mindful of what's here in your surroundings and then think your way through that mindfulness, it'll, it'll stop a lot of you know, these microaggressions in their tracks. You know, uh, another example of a microaggression that I had sort of, 
I guess, co-experience is coming into a room when I was doing some software development work and not being the lead on the team. Mm -hmm. And one of my um, uh, closest friends, uh, Angelina Uno Antonison, um, she now works for University of Alabama, Birmingham wow. uh, in their biomedical um, research department. Uh, doing helping with like their data science and all that she's been instrumental in uh, a lot of um vaccine research recently so shout out to angelina but her being like the lead or the head or one of our other team members um uh being the lead and people talking to me or one of the other you know male male presenting people on, on the team like okay well i'm going to have the conversation i'm going to start it with you it's like no, this is the person that actually is leading the conversation. I'm just I'm just the hands. I'm the labor <laughs> here. You know, the the architect is this person who you know is is female female presenting. You know, so it's an unconscious bias. Once again, the people who have that aware with all, they'll feel embarrassment, but they'll course correct. You know, from there. Yeah, but. Because of the rapid nature of IT, of you know these industries that IT touches, people we need to be on the go. We need to move fast. We have to get through, you know, four hours worth of information in thirty minutes. So, boom, boom, boom. Let's get through it. And having the wherewithal to understand that even within that compressed time frame, you have time for this mindfulness and this thoughtfulness, you know, to to pause and think your way through it it goes a long way you know yeah and with those people who are purposeful in these microaggressions sort of a passive aggressive macroaggression you know overtly yeah. oh yeah there's nothing the thoughtfulness won't help them at all because they have thought about it and this is the, the action that they've decided to take right but for those who want to do well and want to do better and are managing these more diverse teams or are very serious about, you know, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. Yes. You have to start with that mindfulness and that thoughtfulness. People, you know, we, we go through so many acronyms and then, right. <laughs> especially in the IT world, we keep constantly changing them. And, oh, yeah. and, and then when you start helping like, um, like the medical side, they have yeah. their acronyms. They're like, wait, well, that means for IT. So what does that mean here, right? right. But you get your universal ones like DEI, right? Yes. And everyone know what that is if people don't know uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? So, um, so the number two is mindfulness, kind of like you have to think, mm -hmm. right? And take a step back before you, uh, what you have to say, right? right? Uh, and and I'm glad that like you're in the government section, I'm in the government section, and being at UC Berkeley really opened my eyes a lot more as being a manager and the courses they give you as a manager to recognize a lot of these things. Like I had to take a, a long course. Oh my gosh, it took forever, but it opened my eyes and I actually wanted to get through it. Cause I was like, it was almost like a storybook, right? It was like, God, what's going to happen in the next chapter. And it was about unconscious bias. Right. Right. And I'm like, Oh, what's the next section? Even though I'm failing the quiz here, I'm like, I want to go to the next section. Cause I want to learn more about it. Right? right. So I'm glad I'm in at Berkeley because a lot of 
lot of these things, like unconscious bias course I was taking, how often does that happen in the private sector, right? Right. Right. It's and how often does unconscious bias happen in the private sector because no one's training them to recognize it? Absolutely. Right. Exactly. So um, I was teaching, I'm teaching this person right now where Ben Brennan, who's uh, I'm kind of go all over, all over the place here. Uh, ben, if you people don't know Ben Brennan is, if, if people are not listening or not watching the video, I'm holding a book called Badass IT Support, right? Ben is the author of this. If you're in the IT world and a frontline support, read this book. It's a great book. Ben's a good friend of mine. He has this new company called QStack. It's a, a great, uh, it measures a lot of things about IT and uh, recognizing your, uh, what do you want to call it? Um, your pain points, right? And he, it's, it's, his QStack is really great. And he, when I was at his podcast, he, he called me the coaches of all coaches because I've coached sports in for volleyball for over 20 plus years. And I've coached little kids all the way up to Olympic level players. So like potentially going to an Olympic team doesn't mean they'll make the Olympic team, right? right? But they have the potential of it, right? So, and I, and one of the things that I did was I wanted to become a better coach. And one of the things was I want, I need to surround myself with great coaches so I can learn from them. And I had to figure that out. Which one were the good ones? Which one were the bad ones? Or which ones I'm with a bad coach, but what can I learn from that bad coach? And, and then transition what I learned well what I learned from that bad coach I will not do but then I started surrounding myself around great coaches uh Ron Larson one of them uh, Carl McGowan these are all great volleyball coaches who actually coached in the Olympics um they actually won a gold medal in 2008 uh for the men's team and so just li listening to them when you said mindful mindfulness he that's the first word he said to me was you need to be mindful I'm like wait Whoa, no one really you know said that to me and i'm like whoa i'm like and when you brought that up it's like yeah it when you're at that level like you're like at ron's he was the assistant coach for the 2008 olympics team you're at that level where you need to be mindful right and you can't just you know not be mindful because that's totally you, you can't be in that position unless you're mindful right mm -hmm. and you're in that position i'm in that position also so what i'm getting at here is for a new manager teaching everyone to be equal it's like um like ben would always uh, say say to me was you know there's that saying right you go to war with the army you have right. not the army you want right right because you're not you're not going to be successful if you like all you keep like whining about like oh i wish i had this army it's like no you 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 get what you have and you work with it right so how can we teach the new manager to keep everyone teach you know, have a balance everyone's equal mm -hmm. right especially you know it doesn't matter you know for me as a manager when i hire someone i really i just look at their experience i don't care what race or whatever they are right mm -hmm. i just focus on if this person will fit in in the organization mm -hmm. that's all i really look at Right. And when they come in for an interview, I'm like, I, I'm like, welcome. 
you know, let's sit down, let's talk, right? And and but some areas, I I know you you're in a landlocked kind of a landlocked. Are you in a landlocked area? Someone always considered as a landlocked. We're right, we're right off of um, the Great Lakes and a river system. So okay, we're off of you know fresh water. Okay, so you're not really landlocked. You're next to water. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, those landlocked people, <laughs> the areas, uh, not people. That's that's kind of a microaggression right there. Uh, <laughs> sorry, everybody. But the landlocked lands where some, uh, I mean, this is where a part of privilege comes in for, for Cliff and I, where we had an opportunity to uh, people to teach us unconscious bias, mm. uh, work closely with DEI. Right. And for people who listening to this, uh, reach out to someone who who is, you know, to understand, talk to HR, um, talk to labor relations, talk to DEI. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, But for us right now, what um, because I want to just keep it to three things, because when I've been coaching for so many years, the mind can only handle three things. Give them four or five, they might remember one, but they'll go back to the, the last two they'll remember, right? Mm-hmm. So I always keep it at three. It doesn't matter what age you are. <laughs> um, I, I, from my experience from coaching, people remember the top three things, right? So what are the top three things you, you would recommend to keep, to teach? I have this, I'm taking notes and teaching, you know, making everyone equal. Right. Mm-hmm. So what are the top three things? It could be, you know, keep keeping them equal, but what else, you know, the other two things of, you know, recognizing microaggression. So one is labeling, don't label. Two is be mindful. And the third thing is we're, we're going to talk about the third thing right now is like teaching something. Right. So what are the top three things you could, we, we, you would recommend to a new manager who's getting to the role of management? So everything, it, you know, we're, we're talking about, top three things and you're talking about as you're coaching and teaching you know people from kids on up to olympic caliber athletes the way that i i progress and the way that i teach is in like flows like flow chart type stuff because i'm terrible at rote memorization like bullet points but if i can get a conceptual flow of things so yeah things flow down from that mindfulness and excuse me the next step that i would teach after that is that there's no such thing, you know, and I've told people this very directly, there's no such thing as colorblindness or gender blindness slash, you know, um, uh, gender neutrality in terms of our perceptions, because that's not how we are socialized from birth, right? Yes. Even though, you know, everyone deserves their own context and their context is who they are you if people have told me oh well i'm colorblind like you saw me coming in your unconscious bias you know kicks in and you're not mindful if you never interrogated that even though you would come to have this rapport with me there's still things at the back of your mind and that you don't realize that i do realize as part of our uh interaction that's the microaggression so yeah you know new managers you know junior managers, the people who are just getting their first attempt, you know, 
be aware and don't say, okay, I'm going to have this neutral slash, you know, colorless, genderless, whatever, you know, perspective. No, you don't. And if you try to take the approach that I'm neutral, it's going to have a run on effect into your interactions mm -hmm. that will cause a problem. Right. Yeah. You know, so have that mindset because what people really say when they're saying that they're colorblind is that I don't, I don't macro aggress. I'm not using this against people. I don't yes. have these biases. And what that really tells me is that they are uncomfortable with interrogating that portion of themselves, those biases that they do have, so that they're saying they want to get to the point where they're like, I'm a good person. So of course I don't have these things because I'm a good person. And I treat everyone equally equitably, you know. Yeah. Equality isn't equity. Those are two separate things, right? So in segueing from that mindfulness and that thoughtfulness to getting rid of the idea of being, you know, having these different blindnesses because, or, you know, blind spots, you can get to the point where you're interrogating yourself and having this sort of self-realization, you know, and, and this perceptiveness that will help you overall, right? That, that will yeah. allow you to manage, you know, whatever situation you need to manage. The, the next step I would say is that I know this because I, I did this myself early on when I started getting into management. I was like, okay, I need to move up so that I can actually get to do the work that I want to do or get back to doing the work that I need to do. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll rise high enough and then I'll sign all this stuff out and then I'll, you know, get back to doing what I need to do. Well, that's not the case. You know, you're in the heart of all this stuff. So there's no such thing as being purely objective or drama free or above the personal interactions. We're all engineers here. So we're just gonna strictly worry about engineering. Yeah. You can, that can be the company policy, the office policy, but that in real life doesn't truly bear out, right? So as a manager, as a new manager, you have to be aware of the social dynamics on your team, in your office, right? The interactions between different peoples, you know, whether it be, you know, uh, racial dynamics at play, gender dynamics, religious, anything else, you know, sexuality, anything that's in play, you have to be aware of it, how it's interacting, and your role as, you know, the manager, the, the mitigator, you know, the arbitrator, whatever it is in that team, you know, to progress towards your goals, you know, because if you take that approach where, I'm above it. We're all engineers. This is purely objective. And, you know, we IT people and scientists are particularly bad with this, where it's like, you know, numbers don't have a bias. Well, the people who are putting the numbers together do. Exactly. So, yes. No. Yeah. No, uh, go ahead. Finish. No, no. I was going to say you have to recognize that you're not above it. You're in the middle of it. You're all human. And just because something is complex or potentially confrontational doesn't make it bad and it doesn't make it something that should be shot away from. So. Oh no, yeah. I like I like that one like uh little quote. I kind of like that quote you just did. Like you're in the middle of it. You're not above it. Right. Yeah. We're all we're all on this we're all on the same playing field. It doesn't matter what level you are. I mean, you're at a C level, I'm at a you know lower level than you like manager director level, but um more of a manager more more you know way down near manager <laughs> but uh but uh 
we're all in the middle of it because we're all we're all we have this end goal and we want to accomplish together right and and that's 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 the key thing is you know if you you know if people start being colorblindness or not aware of their social dynamics and and they're using that like to like get ahead and it's like no that that that's not the way to get ahead that actually would actually get you in trouble <laughs> so yeah yeah um ha- i was just thinking about something and um heather beck um god i hope I, that's her name um she made a comment in my yeah heather uh great person um if you haven't met her, uh, she's a great person. Uh, she helped me with, uh, I did a, uh, a presentation on how to, um, how to coach the underperformer. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people got, gave some great input, input. And she was like my person who was watching the uh, chat. Uh, and she, she was, she's great. She, got, she, uh, she great, uh, made a great comment in there where a a female was on medical leave Mm -hmm. and when when they came when when that female came back the manager goes oh how was your vacation right right that's a true microaggression right there where something simple as that like it was like that's uncalled for it was like i'm you know my thing your thing would have been you know, I hope, I hope you're doing better. And mm-hmm. is there any accommodations I need, need for you? And if they say no or yes, or I received your letter from your doctor and, and we accommodate for you, that's the right approach. That's, that's how you should do it. But a comment like that happens anywhere. It could even happen even at our, you know, public sector, right? right? And what can we do to people listening to not, you know, we're not here to change the world. We're just giving people advice um, for something, something as simple as that, like, an, like you said, an unconscious thing, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of like, I remember working at a retail store and we knew this guy was lying because he had an involuntary muscle on his left eyebrow that would twitch like no tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> right you probably got you probably met some of those people who who are like but you're actually lying you're like not telling the truth no because you have this involuntary muscle that's just poker. like moving right they got poker tails yeah 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 they can't play poker at all so uh so but for a person like this who's unaware that that's an that's a true insult to to that person like mm-hmm. you know would that employee like report that saying, Hey, you know, what are the chances? Actually, let me ask you that. What are the chances of an employee reporting that? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and should they, that's yeah. the next question. So my approach to that and the way that I've actually instructed some folks who have brought situations like that to me yeah. is that if you feel that you've been aggressed against someone trespassed against you, you know, transgressed, that's the word I want, against you. Don't eat your feelings, don't tamp it down, because that's legitimate. Your your feelings, your context are are very, very legitimate. 
and it needs to be taken care of. We will go through the proper channels. If I'm your, you know, your direct manager, and this is someone also on our team or even from another team that has done this to you that you feel has transgressed against you, I'll step in to handle. And if you know you feel it's coming from me, you know, I, I also tell my direct reports, don't be afraid to either address me with it or if you feel the need to go over me with it as well, you know, so that I can get the training or or even a reprimand if necessary that I need. But what we cannot and will not do is allow it to fester to become a deeper problem. You know, and a lot of uh, a lot of people in the workplace, particularly new managers, are very hesitant to get in the middle of that sort of thing, because we all have encountered office politics. You know, we all feel like, oh, well, this person has chosen a side, right? And yes. the whole thought process should be like, in a way, yes, I have chosen a side. I've chosen the side of the people that are under my management, you know, in a way, my care. And I'm going to make sure that they're protected because that's the only way we're going to get through this to achieve our goals. And anyone who's not on board with that, they're the ones that are in the wrong. Yes. And they may need just a simple correction. You know, like we're talking about that unconscious bias. They've never interrogated their thoughts, their feelings, their, their behaviors, their background before. So once you bring it to their attention, they'll go, oh, well, I wasn't aware, I'll course correct on that, you know, or they are not so much microaggressions, but it's this sort of passive aggressive, you know, purposeful microaggression. Those are the people that, okay, well then we are going to draw our, cause I can be aggressive in this way, our battle lines here, right? Yeah. And what we're going to say, we have an established culture in our company, or if it's not established, but we need to make these cultural changes it's going to happen it's going to start here yeah and then we can flow it up flow it out however we need to but it's not going to persist because that's the only way it stops that's the only way that it can be you know tempered or tamp you know or or gotten rid of completely as if it's confronted yes yeah it's just so, almost that, like a i almost want to say it's almost like a bulldozer effect right you just right. You, you you want to get ahead of it before it and bulldoze you, what your your point across before before it gets out of hand right okay. yeah yeah so new managers out there one is label i'm going to recap here label two is be mindful and and three is pretty much we're teaching you three different things in number 3 like huh, that's kind of funny three for three there we go so like one is uh the flow down what what cliff talked about the color slash gender blindness mm-hmm. right and aware of social dynamics which right. which is a really big thing when someone gets hired this gonna be my last question because i know we're kind of running on time here um when you hire someone what trainings do you can you provide for this for that new manager um 
for when they go, you know, basically about microaggression or unconscious bias, mm -hmm. right? What training does the city or the county or from your experience before, what, what, what allows you, because obviously we're, we're allowed certain things, right? Because we have uh, surprise, surprise people. If you don't know about public sector, uh, IT has unions. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so how, what tools, uh, did you provide or the, or does the county or whatever, you know, in your experience, uh, job experience, what tools did they provide to handle like microaggressions or even race, gender, you know, all the DEI stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I've really liked and what I have started to um, pull into my own leadership style is that over and above the compliance training that is required due to, you know, uh, local, state, federal, you know, requirements, over and above that, I've started making it as part of uh, professional development. Okay. Take either some sort of DEI-based training or um, uh, emotional intelligence yes. training, you know, because uh, this is one uh, flows and leads into the other, you know, they complement each other very well. So having that awareness, it, it'll basically teach people how to be mindful, how to be thoughtful. Um, I, I actually I need to have some meetings next week with our uh, training department and our DEI officer to, you know, help push that initiative forward, but making it a part of a person's development helps to sort of bake it in from the beginning. I'm, I'm in cybersecurity, so we always say we want cybersecurity in your ingredients for whatever you're making, right? We yeah. don't want it bolted on. We don't want it as an afterthought. We don't want it as something that you slap together real quick to meet a deadline. We want it baked into your processes and procedures from step one, from you know implementation go. And that will make sure that it's propagated in whatever directions the, you know, the technology, the software, whatever it takes. Well, it's the same thing for a person's professional development and growth, right? Yes. If you bake all of this into the beginning of that development of that growth, you know, basically using some of the, the privilege we talked about, some of what we have as, you know, executives, as directors, as leadership, you know, we, we put that into the ethos of everyone that works under us, then it'll grow from there. It'll be a part of it, you know, and it, it'll grow into the foundations of the organization of the industry. You know, it has to start kind of from the ground up grassroots sort of thing. So yeah, that's, that's my, I'm a big, big proponent of that, you know, and then having my own awareness and intelligence surrounding that, I'll not necessarily on, you know, uh, on the spot quiz people, but it's like, okay, well, have you thought of it this way? You know, or I remember your, uh, we, we use what's called an energy index uh, leadership um, assessment. Like, okay, based off of the assessment that we gave you previously, you know, how do you feel you've progressed? How does this relate back to the goals that we set for you and back to that emotional intelligence that we want to bring in there? Like, how has this broadened your horizons? Has it? 
you know, and then we go from there. And then I can coach, I can lead based off of the growth that I've seen, you know, with that at your foundation. But it, it has to be baked in from the beginning. Yeah. You have to make it instrumental to people's advancement because that's the only way they'll carry it forward. And, and that's a big thing, right? Uh, as you said, professional development. Um, one of uh, the, the key thing is you said was get it early, which is amazing because not a lot of managers mm-hmm. or directors who just hired new managers does not bake that into their professional development, right. which it should be. Mm-hmm. And if you want more of a well-rounded person, then bake that into their professional development. Right. Right. So they, so it comes natural. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what we want. The success of a new manager is to become successful with, and, you know, for us or for you and me, uh, you and I be like, oh, that's one less thing I have to worry about. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for the managers, new managers that are listening, talk to your, talk to your director, talk, talk to them and ask like, Hey, I want to put this in my professional development or let's create a professional development. Mm -hmm. And I want to learn more about unconscious bias. I want to learn more about DEI, you know, just not to, to, to make me a better manager. Right. And, and that's one of the big tools. Is, is to ask they need to ask to put that into professional development right. and a lot of a lot of because uh, honestly work everyday work gets in the way and sometimes mm-hmm. you got like take a step back and go wait you know i need another tool to be a better manager and this right. is one of them right. right um some people might think that's the least important no it's actually important mm-hmm. we live in a world where a lot of cities or counties was mostly dominated by one race Mm -hmm. and now it's not dominated by one race anymore right and to have that in your professional development not help that not only will help you in your work it will actually help you outside of work right because a lot of times i mean i bet you know you know, we could put money on this and I probably win against you where <laughs> a lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff you learn as a leadership, you actually applied it into your personal life. I agree completely. Right. And that actually makes a lot of people humble right. sometimes. Right. But majority of times it does. Right. So new managers out there, like, you know, like Cliff says, professional development, that's a, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, to have that, to, to say that to people, like, let's put that in your professional development. If, if you're not, if you're, if you're not ready, it's okay. But keep in mind, I would put that on my list of uh, success to be a better manager. Right. Because okay. you'll need it because you eventually will, will, will somehow, it will get to you. Mm-hmm. Right. If you don't put it in your professional development, get it early you know, like bake it in because if you don't and you do a microaggression, it's going to come back to you later. And all of a sudden you're in training courses, right? (laughs) The way that I was phrasing it to someone recently is that, you know, with my background and my experience, you know, both 
municipal, public sector, and the military. Um, the, the idea is that there's basically two camps in my purview. There's people who want to be leaders and there's leadership. Yes. And then there's bosses and those are people who just want to be in charge. Yes. Right? And being in charge is something that is given to you. You inherit it. You know, you're just there and someone puts you in charge of something. Yeah. You know, leaders and leadership is built. Yes. Right? So you have to build leaders. You have to put them in situations where they have to prove that leadership. And then, you know, either organically or through structure, the, the you know, mantle of leadership will sort of scaffold onto them. Yes. So what I always, or what I would like to caution, or what I would like to express is that build into your organization the type of leadership that you would like to see. And by building that leadership into your organization, what you would like to see, it will help to propel you into being the type of leader that you want to be. Okay. Yes. No, so. 100%. Wow. Cliff, thank you. I really appreciate it. And people, if you want to learn more about microaggression, there's a, a book. I'm holding it up in my hand. Um, microaggression in Everyday Life by Derek Wing Sue. Uh, great professor, YouTube him. He actually talks about, he talks about great, great examples and experience. He actually experienced is really awesome. Um, it's a great book, YouTube it, watch it. And even YouTube unconscious bias. There's a lot of great Ted talk in there that you could watch and learn. Um, so Cliff, thank you. One of the things I do want to talk about before we leave is I'm going to plug in your, 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 uh, your side gig here. I don't know if it's a side gig or it could turn off to be a big five, four, four, two, 500 company for all I know is, is fourth wall technologies, right? Absolutely. Tell me what's that about, man? So fourth wall technologies is me being a geek once again, being a nerd. So everyone knows what the fourth wall is when you're, you're breaking the fourth wall in comic books. That's yep. the, the fictional character speaking to the audience, right? So yeah. That was the name of my comic book store when I had it in uh, Alabama. That's what I named my company. Um, I do uh, a lot of strategic planning and uh, strategic development in the cybersecurity space, executive coaching, uh, virtual CISO work, policy development. Um, I have a lot of uh, people that work with me and, and for me doing cutting edge research in cybersecurity. Um, particularly in the world of data analytics, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. So basically, I can put together a team to either, you know, talk about, uh, teach or coach, or actually develop, you know, very uh, what's bespoke, you know, cybersecurity solutions. Yes. So that's, the, that's the side gig. And then my day-to-day -day job is uh, being the chief information security officer for Aurora in Illinois. Um, if anyone has interest out there in our initiatives as the largest uh, smart city public-private partnership in the United States, you can go to uh, 605innovation.com and you'll see our partners, a lot of the uh, things that we have coming up in the very near future. Um, you can also uh, Google my CIO, uh, Michael Pegues, that's P-E-G-U-E-S, uh, he has Forbes articles, all sorts of things about the Smart City Initiative that's going to be coming in the near future. And 
that's what keeps me up at night where I get very little sleep, the things that I'm, I'm building out for, you know. <laughs> like you said, before. you're the largest sandbox, right? Exactly. And a that's sandbox. a lot of projects to, a lot of pilots, man. That's a lot of pilots. I, I, I praise you for that. <laughs> and think about it, people, fourth wall technologies. The, Cliff is a guy who actually help minimize hacks from missiles, <laughs> right? So if you, I don't know how better defense you could get on that on cybersecurity. Like that, that, that's just a big plug right there where like, look, I work in the missile defense and cybersecurity. That right there, I would have been like, you're hired. <laughs> Cause I'm like, you know, for the United States. Well, yeah, we have a lot of missiles in the United States and if you're protecting that, then you can protect my company. <laughs> right. Well, I'll put it to you this way, Glenn. I've, I've had people that, you know, basically have tr tried to impress me when I, I get brought into a situation to be a, a fixer. I'm like, well, I work for one of the big four accounting firms and we did all this stuff and said, okay, yeah, I, I worked for missile defense and an offshoot of the NSA. That's fine. I, I handle actual top secret stuff. So, and you're not allowed to speak about it. And you're yeah, like, yeah. yep. Yeah, there are things, there's a reason why part of my LinkedIn is blanked in section. So, yeah. nope, nope, I get it. Yeah, yeah, we got to keep some things a secret. Sorry, folks. That's how security works once in a while. Well, Cliff, thank you. And for all the new managers, um, I hope this has been helpful for you. And um, my next podcast, I don't know what that would be. I have to think about that. Maybe culture in a, in a workplace, how to develop culture in a workplace maybe talk about my thing about again about under coaching the underperformer i'm really done talking about it but i have to do it one more time at a conference anywho that's me whining right there but but uh cliff thank you really appreciate it and everyone out there thank you for listening and talk to you guys soon all right take care everybody bye wow simply amazing thank you cliff for coming on to my podcast not only to talk about microaggression, but we got to know you as a person. That's really great because that just led up to talk about our topic today for managers learning about microaggression. Love you, man. Thank you for doing this. You're such a great human. For the rest of everybody else who are just got into this management role and you want to learn more about microaggression, talk to your, your leaders or your HR department. You know, like Cliff says, if you're a manager and you want your direct reports to learn about microaggressions or unconscious bias, add it to the professional development. That would really bake that and you would basically mold the people that report to you to understand microaggression and unconscious bias, right? So if you want to learn more, Go, go check it out on YouTube or, you know, try to find a podcast and to learn, you know, do a search for unconscious bias or even microaggressions. There's great ones out there. All right. If you want to reach out, reach out to us, uh, reach out to Cliff or to me, Glenn, uh, you can find us on LinkedIn. Uh, uh, Clifton Moore on, on LinkedIn. He's on uh, uh, City of Aurora and me, Glenn Cruz. I'm on I'm at UC Berkeley. So find us there if you want to connect with us and talk more. Uh, yeah, connect with us. All right, everybody, take care and be mindful. Love you, everybody. All right, bye now.